everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Skeptically Inclined Science Podcast. We're on episode 40. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm your host, Evan. And I'm Tom. Yeah, and welcome from wherever you're listening from. Uh, on today's episode, um, I'm going to be covering the main story. So I had mentioned this already previously on uh, the end of one of our, I think, two episodes ago that I was going to cover um, the story of these fertility doctors uh, inseminating their patients with their own semen. So I just wanted to kind of run through some examples that had happened, what we think of it, what are the implications, was it ever right, was it was it completely in the wrong, and try and yeah, <laughs> cast, as kind of have a look at it from some way, both sides. Um, and yeah, I think it'd be an interesting story uh, to discuss, so... I yeah, definitely. Uh, and then today, Tom, what were you going to mention? So I will talk about um, I will talk about alien doorway on Mars that caught my attention, as well as uh, growing plants using soil from the moon. Okay. So this is is this doorway on Mars like a a conspiracy that people humans have been on the moon Mars already? Yeah, that's that's what it started with. Because <laughs> for me, it started as a oh look, that's another sign of Martian life yeah. or some sort or like, of you know they had this, yeah. like, the face on Mars. Exactly, but the more we looked into it, the more we see that it's uh, there is a perfectly logical explanation behind it, but not as exciting as Martians. Yeah. Okay. It's never Martians. No, not yet. Um, yeah, and maybe trigger warning. We well, we both have. I think Tom Moore so has a a sore throat. I'd say you might notice his deep husky voice now. Yeah, <laughs> like we, a chain smoker. We were both um, we both went to New York there recently on a on a vacation on a vacation on a holiday, and uh, yeah, it was very good. We recommend New York if you didn't haven't already been. <laughs> How many rats have we seen, Evan? Uh, uh, I don't know. I've lost count. Did you I count? counted? between 14 and 15 rats in this that's in actually the not too bad considering we were there days. for four days it was more yeah. that you had pointed them out as well i would i was be, very i'd be very oblivious no yeah i was uh, keeping an eye out on them yeah <laughs> really important tom was very paranoid they were coming to her window after all the windows closed <laughs> in her airbnb so <laughs> yeah every window yeah but no cockroaches so i'm happy about that yeah 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 we'll take what we can um yeah, and I just I seen this story. I said I'd ru- I'd run it past you, seeing as you were um, part of this follicular follicularly impaired group. <laughs> and I just want to think what your uh, what your thoughts was on this. Calling a man bald is sexual harassment. Employment tribunal rules. So uh, it was this guy. He worked at this manufacturing firm for twenty four four years. And he say he took the company to tri- tribunal, claiming, among other things, he'd been the victim of sexual harassment after an incident with a factory supervisor. Um, he actually had referred to him as a bald c-word, uh, and he said he was more less upset about the c-word and more uh, upset about the fact that he commented on his appearance. Uh, and he said, "Yeah, we have little doubt." This is the judge said that. Uh, we have little doubt that being referred to do in this prerogative manner was unwanted conduct. This is strong language. Although we find industrial language is commonplace on this floor, we think he crossed the line by making remarks personal to the claimant about his appearance. 
Um, yeah, and it's difficult to conclude other than that. Uh, he had uttered, the manager had uttered these words with the purpose of violating his dignity and creating an intimidating, hostile, degrading, and humiliating uh, environment for him. So, uh, so that's sexual harassment. Yeah, he said. It, it, the judge said, <clears throat> in our judgment, there is connection between the word "bald" on the one hand and projected characteristic of sex on the other. Um, so I think they were like it was inherently related to sex because you wouldn't say that to a woman, but you could like, but. You, it only happens in men really to go bald so yeah because it was related to his sex being I, bald uh, so I just was curious what your thoughts on were of the <laughs> I still story. don't see sexual harassment in it but I'll tell you my story okay we, we were on a holiday and one of our mutual mates called me out on the bald head <laughs> and uh, I knew I didn't took it as a sexual uh, harassment I took it as a sign to completely <laughs> shaved off my head because it started looking ridiculous um so that's ho- how i look at it i don't really think it's uh um, yeah, but you he was a friend i suppose it's um if someone i, I suppose if some i it's i suppose it's like yeah someone you worked with uh called you as a bald bald word as well uh you would say like but you would never say that to a woman so you might say the c word to them but you wouldn't say the be bald <laughs> But I don't know. I I just think of it's because if you do, you're gonna get slapped. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's true. Um, <clears throat> but like, yeah, it just it's just interesting to say like, oh, because um, they, no, that's weird to me. Yeah, it will. It, yeah, because it's, it's like, is it is a sexual harassment when it's like a derogatory term? And I mean, if the man felt sexually harassed, then all the power to him. Yeah. Go for it. But yeah, it's. In my books, it doesn't... Yeah, but I suppose everyone is different, right? I don't really take that much pride well, in my uh, head or in my hair. So it's just... I just don't really care. Just call yeah. it. Yeah. His compensation will be determined at a later date. So... We'll hair wait. transplant? <laughs> 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 to go towards a hair transplant. Yeah. God. I know I actually found out recently about Donald Trump. Like, he when he... Um, he he had there was no hair transplants back when he was going bald. So what he did, um, that's why his hair is meant to be really weird because he had to cut. It was down the middle of his head, and then they like pulled his hair up to get the sides up like that, and then they stitched it, and like it meant to be really botched. That's why he's like really thin hair at the top because it's a side oh. hair. Really, really uh, weird. That's why I think he has that weird hair. So he has a huge scar. I think meant to be going down his oh, head. Really? Yeah, because that's, okay. that's how they had to do it back then. Well, I'm sorry for ex-President Trump, um, <laughs> but like he has to do it because he doesn't have a good head for uh, to to rock the bald uh, skull plate. Maybe. You know? Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't look like he has a nice head for it. Like, mm. well, he can't do it now if he's a big massive scar. It'll look even worse. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't you can't spin it around like you can't say that you were in the night fight or na- night fight or anything like that because everybody fa- knows like, it was in Vietnam. <laughs> no, you weren't there. Yeah. Stop maybe in a hotel or something. Yeah. Um okay, yeah, so that was just I just was curious to see what your opinion was on that. <laughs> Nothing related to science, but No, it's just yeah. 
Get used to it. It happens. <laughs> Get used to it. Hopefully it doesn't become normalized. And if you do I mean, the, 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 the baldening, not the name calling. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah just to be <laughs> Embrace clear. it. Yeah, just embrace it. Like, it's, you can't fight it, you know? Okay. You can't. Right. Uh, and you're faster because the aerodynamics. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, you want to go into your... Um, sure. Your news stories. Yeah. So on my way, um, when I came back from America, because yeah. we went to America, we, um, I was just looking through the science news and I came across this um, picture, this composite picture of Mars landscape. And you could evidently see like an, what looked like it was an, an intelligent life form made something that looked like a doorway. Someone, someone had started making renovations in a house. Yeah, on the moon, exactly. But it, it was really on the looked like Mars. A, Sorry, uh, Mars. It wasn't yeah. the Mars. Just I have to. Yeah. If I if I say Moon, I mean Mars. Okay. But I'm gonna try to say Mars. Um, so okay. So first thing is like, uh, what what has taken these pictures? So that we at least know of. Um, it was Curiosity rover that was launched in back two back in 2011, landed on Mars for uh, on t uh, 2012. And the rover is designed to explore the Martian surface, looking for signs of past and present life on the planet to contribute to NASA's Mars Exploration Program science goal. So Curiosity's mission is to determine whether the red planet ever was hab hab habitable to microbial life. The rover, which is about the size of a Mini Cooper, is equipped with 17 cameras and a robotic arm containing a suit of specialized laboratory-like tools and instruments. So with 17 cameras, you can take picture of anything. So Curiosity was on the moors, walking around, taking pictures. Um, and very recently, it sent snaps from the red planet that revealed something that look, looks to be a perfectly carved, carved out doorway nestling in the Martian landscape. So everyone started making their own assumptions. And of course, the best place for this is Reddit. So I love Reddit these days. You just go there. <laughs> And you know, get a see what's going on, see what the exactly is. And people were like, "Oh, what what could it be?" So of course, it was from um, one. On the one hand, you people were saying like, "Oh, it's a little hiding spot for Martians." Oh, oh yeah. I, other people were saying like, "Oh, it's a tunnel to the center of the planet." So you know, like a really sci-fi idea out there. Because I'm just looking at it now. So it basically, was in the in a what in a. Uh, I don't know, like a hill or ma a mound in or the something. slope or something. It was in yeah. a slope. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just looking. At it. It's kind of like yeah, interesting. But <laughs> anyway, it, it it looks bizarre. Yeah, so I don't. know It just looks like there is a this perfectly shaped rectangular in the in this in the slope of this ma mountain or, or or hill or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but the thing is, um. We don't really know what is the, f the size of this doorway because they can't really get it comparison against anything else. So like the size, size is very like an arbitrary at this point. They can't really, they don't, they don't know how to place it. So indeed it could be in the size of a door to fit a, to fit a man in yeah, or woman, or it could be like super small that, you know, it's just, but just it was captured on this photography, you know? And like how far away is it from the... Don't know. They still don't know. They just captured that image uh, and on, it's the, on super the zoomed in. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because it's a composite picture sent from the Curiosity, so it's not just like a one snap. It's, it's like, like a you know, panoramic. The, yeah, exactly. You can kind of shift around and see what's around it. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, um, yeah it's definitely, definitely. Um, it could, it could be due to uh, error, like some kind of composition error where they have to put the pan, like they takes the pictures and then it puts them together. Like it definitely looked like that could happen. Yeah, that could be the so reason. Perhaps if they send it like maybe two or three times from a different angle, see if you can see distinguish that that feature. Yeah. But nevertheless, um, as you said, you can always count on people from Reddit. <laughs> so I stopped listening to this conspiracy about a hiding spot for Martians. And I kind of thought, well, there, is there any legitimate reason uh, behind this formation? And how would, how would that happen? So actually, it is believed uh, that this structure um, is likely being a shear fracture, a result of some kind of strain on the rock breaking part and, and part of it broke off. And uh, perhaps it could be uh, due to a Mars quake. Oh. So indeed, the, um, the, the, the pressure put on the crust of the Mars caused the rocks to break. And this one just broke off in this peculiar way that, that made us think it's a, it's a doorway. But is that confirmed? Like, that's just spe- speculation. Well, actually... Uh, this hypothesis about Mars quakes makes sense as re- as recently the biggest quake was recorded on Mars based on the seismic events and it was five uh, on the Earth scale. Mm. So five on the Earth quake is somewhere between light and moderate um, earthquake. But because Mars is not built of a plate te- tectonic, so you don't have this contact, constant seismic noise in the background because of the on the air the movement of tectonic plate causes vib- vibrations and such that kind of become a noise because we, yeah. we just don't feel it. Whereas Mars is just a one plate planet. There is no nothing is moving in there. Nothing yeah. is shifting. So everything that that does quakes it it like it's it it is really strong on Mars. Mm. So uh, people thinking that this doorway has appeared. Clo- in the close relation to the um, to the earthquake that was recorded um, like a week ago or so, that gives them um, that gives them a, a, this this working hypothesis that it actually could be caused by the uh, by the quakes on Mars. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. So source of the Mars quakes is not the same as on Earth, which, as I said, is caused by the movement of plate tectonics. So NASA notes that the Mars Mars quakes are caused due to stresses that cause rock fracture um, on its crust. And by studying these seismic waves traveling across Mars, scientists hope to learn more about the planet's crust, mantle, and core that in turn should inform um, understanding about how Mars uh, became to be. Because it was thought a couple billion years ago that Mars was uh, as lively of a, of a planet as Earth. Yeah, yeah. But certainly some things <laughs> went different way for Mars <laughs> than for us. And, uh, and now we can like, you know, we can now they study these uh, topography and geography of Mars uh, just to understand what processes has taken place and what, what, what did it lead to. And um, so that's, that's how the story on, of the of the doorway. Uh, alien doorway led me to I'm look just looking into at the uh, composite. I'm just looking at the combination images now, the original image, yeah. not the one that's like just the doorway. And it like, it looks tiny. 
like it doesn't look that big i suppose there's no perspective i have on this yeah at all because it could be super far away but like just looking at it it looks like it's a little door little square thing in the in the ground the ground like so yeah, but you don't know how far away that is no that's true it's just like they should go perseverance over and take a picture in relation to perseverance yeah when when we get to mars when elon musk gets to mars that's to be the first one we can check Oh, how exciting would be if you go inside and there's like a library of old Martian ha. books and stuff like yeah. that. God. That's a movie there for you, kid. God, sounds like a bad movie. <laughs> Don't say that. Okay, and what was um, the other thing you wanted to talk about? The moon? Uh, yeah, and the soil vegetation on moon. Uh, so there's this Artemis program. It's a... Uh, is a Artemis program is a human space flight program that is being led by NASA with multiple international and U.S. domestic partners. The primary goal of Artemis is to return human to the moon, specifically the lunar South Pole, by 2025. An important part of this program is to be able to keep humans alive, safe, and fed. So, uh, as, as well you know, Evan, so far the astronauts relied on the, relied on the pre-packed food, Mm. That was uh, that was on Delivered. board, yes. But um, science shows that there's advantages to having access to fresh food, and both advantages on the physical and mental side of uh, of health, which actually makes sense. You, if you have a nice served dinner in front of you, like it kind of makes you feel better, right? Yeah. Especially with a sandy rose from your ma. <laughs> and um, in the new paper published uh, in the journal Communications Biology, University of Florida researchers show that plants can successfully sprout and grow in lunar soil. So, yeah, but yes? yeah, no, but obviously not on the moon. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just, I just get into that. So, scientists also investigated how plants respond biologically to the moon soil, uh, also known as a lunar lunar regolith which is rad radically different from the soil found on Earth. The scientists had only 12 grams, which is only just a few teaspoons, of lunar soil with which, with which to do these experiments. On the loan from NASA, the soil was collected during the Apollo 11, 12, and 17 mission to the moon. And, um, uh, and it was collected over the course of 11, um, 11 years. The growth... To grow their tiny lunar garden, the researchers used timbled-sized wells in the plastic plates normally used for culture cells. So great uh, troubleshooting, you, you know, how, what, what is the, the smallest pl uh, plant pod you can find in the lab. And uh, each well functioned as a pod. Once they filled each pod with approximately one gram of, the so of soil, the scientists moisted the soil with a nutrient solution and added few seeds um, from Arabidopsis plant, what and this Arabidopsis plant is just um, a tail cress, just like a, a weed growing kind of thing in oh, the so fields. It's not you even can see a nutrition something you can eat. No, no, it's they, they selected this plant be, uh, because it is um, it is widely used in plant science because its genetic code has been fully mapped. Oh, okay. So growing this plant in the lunar soil allowed the researchers. Uh, to give more insight into how the soil affects the plant uh, down to the level of genome expression. So how, can I ask actually, do you know, how, so how much of it was lunar soil and how much is our, our earth soil? Like what was the ratio? So for the control, uh, like a lunar soil is lunar soil. You, own, you they didn't oh, mix they anything didn't mix to it. Oh, they didn't mix it with anything. 
Okay. No, Lunar Sol was Lunar Sol, and then they had a control group uh, that was Regulars. from Earth, but the mineral composition was tried to be replicated uh, to the Lunar Sol. Okay. So they just kind of had this kind of control just to see if there's any difference. Um, yeah, so the plants grown in these non-lunar soils uh, were the experiments control group, but the kind of mi mineral composition and salt was tried to be matched to the uh, lunar. And almost all plant seeds sprouted. However, at the, uh, as the time went on, the researchers observed differences between the plants grown in the lunar and the control group. For example, some of the plants grown in the lunar soil were smaller, grew more slowly, or were more varied in size um, and their counterparts, counterparts. So the researchers found that the plants with the most signs of stress were those grown in, these lunar uh, in the lunar soil. These mature soils um, are those exposed to more cosmic wind. So they think that the, the, lunar, so the lunar soil, the mature soil, as they call it, was more exposed to the cosmic wind, uh, which alters their makeup. And on the other hand, uh, plants grown in the comparatively less mature soil fared better. So, yeah. you know, the, the cosmic rays, the, 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 the cosmic winds, all of that has the effect on the soil, the radiation. Um, and of course, if you try to grow life in that soil, it's going to be a bit more challenged compared to, you know, the soil we have on Earth. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, yeah. It makes yeah, sense. but I think this is the first. It was the I think it was the first experiment where they tried to do something like that. You and know, it did is, grow eventually. It did grow. the 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 plant mm. did grow. But like, is uh, it affected? Like, can it germinate again? Or because like it just seems like would it affect it in this kind of a soil? I suppose they don't know. So what they want to, what they look in, in more detail is now seeing how the soil affected the um, genetic yeah. makeup of the plant. Uh, of course, what they know just from this experiment is that they will definitely have to use GMOs and to build them in such a way that they are suitable for the mm. um, moon soil. Yeah. And, you know, that's one way of getting around this problem, making maybe these plants a little bit more resistant to yeah. anything that is found in that soil. So this really what it does, it gives them a base level understanding of what's going on and some sort of a start line from which they can start modifying these organisms to make them more suitable. Yeah, yeah. Of course, what is given is that we need more soil samples from the Mars yeah. because, you know, they were working with like literally not much yeah mm, so that's that's pu pu puts another kind of another pressure um on the nasa people to actually be sending stuff into the moon and coming yeah, back yeah, yeah. with with samples um yeah but if we're thinking about you know settling mars and uh, you know giving some sort of making it more realistic rather than just sci-fi yeah i think ability to to Whoa. plant to grow something is uh, is but really like, I important. I think the way it's going to work is if we did plant anything, it, we can't even have it on the surface. It'd have to be in a greenhouse kind of environment. But wouldn't it Mars. be? That would be one less thing that you have to carry with you from Earth. You could just you take. Harv you could just take the soil yeah, from yeah. there. I think that know? was in the Martian, wasn't it? He took. He used Martian soil, did he? I can't remember. With the poo, is it? He mixed it with poo. I think maybe or something like that. Yeah. Well, he. Yeah, because I think otherwise the. The soil wasn't very. No, yeah, neutral. it wouldn't have been yeah. able to use it yeah. otherwise. Yeah, so he, he didn't have like a compass bag or. <laughs> no, let's use that mind. natural uh, compost, is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fer fertilizer, that's it. 
natural fertilizer natural fertilizer we all got it um yeah so i thought that was a um really cool stories you know how i started with the controversy with the doorway on the on the mars yeah yeah and that brought me towards looking at the seismic um activity on mars and then um yeah definitely a significant step towards understanding how to grow vegetation outside of our lovely earth yeah definitely something worth looking into and talking about so going from one uh uh complete uh, conspiracy thing to like doing something concretively is that a word (laughs) i don't i I wouldn't use it but then again something that we can actually do to um improve and get actual real life on mars not some kind (laughs) of uh people hiding out in a in a bunker and we just (laughs) need to go away (laughs) yeah exactly yeah so great mars stories for me and yeah uh, yeah, that was that was that was wrap yeah thanks for that okay no problem uh uh, yeah definitely if you want haven't looked seen a look up the doorway maybe see what you think let us know is it aliens is it uh was it martian yeah martians yeah um what yeah i was just gonna say that every like every headline about this norway norway doorway (laughs) every headline about this doorway started with like you know uh oh is there martians is there aliens yeah, yeah, yeah. but like it's all before even you start reading the article you know your answer the answer is going to be no but yeah. like you still oh maybe they are aliens <laughs> yeah let us know what you think you can reach us out reach out to us on um our twitter skeptically i instagram skeptically inclined and you can email us either skeptically inclined at gmail.com yes uh yeah so thanks for that tom um yeah, so I'll, I'll go into my story then. Um, basically, I mentioned this previously. Uh, I think it was an interesting uh, area to look into. Basically, the story of how fertility doctors or gynecologists, male gynecologists, uh, inseminated their patients who were having either trouble getting pregnant or just wanted to have a child uh, and they needed a, a male donor. So... I didn't, I didn't, I think I had seen the, a story about it, but I didn't realize how common this was actually was. And I think it's still not fully reported either because um, it's only a, a new phenomenon that we're finding out about because of these uh, advent of um, genealogy sites and genealogy testing where you can test where, yeah. you, com- your, where you come from, or where your ancestry is. And... Um, <coughs> Yeah, so I was just kind of blown away by how many how often I've seen this. Uh, and it wasn't just in the US, it happened in Europe. And I'd say that what's happened in Europe is only a small fraction of maybe what could have actually happened as well. There was actually a scandal in the Netherlands. Um, exactly, yeah, I will mention that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, the, actually, and it's just completely coincidentally that Netflix has actually released a new documentary and it's called Our Father... Maybe Netflix, you want to give me some money to help promote your <laughs> talk, please reach out. Um, but yeah, it w- it's a documentary about a church elder who secretly impregnant, impregnated many women. And it, it tells the story of a fertility doctor called Donald Klein, uh, and who spent 30 years secretly using his own sperm to impregnate the women who came to him for treatment. And yeah, as I said, him, like all the other so-called fathers would have got away with it if only it wasn't for the advent of home DNA testing kits. Yeah. So when he 
so I'll just kind of look focus on Donald Klein at, for this most of the story because he is the one in the the subject of the documentary but I think a lot of information about him is more known because he is still alive some of these guys are dead so they never yeah. really can find out what any more information so yeah Donald Klein he opened his clinic in 1979 and yeah infertility it was a relatively new medical speciality uh, and we now you go to uh, sperm banks it's a much more proper procedure in place to get uh, sperm samples to get inseminated but like back in then in the late 70s early 80s there was no big sperm banks no catalogs of donors to select by eye color or hobby or intelligence that's what they usually do mm-hmm. um, so yeah doctors usually found donors themselves that just have to like scout out people men to get a sperm sample off them and it was often among medical trainees who had the advantage of being readily available in hospitals and had reputations as a successful young men i suppose it's kind of a bit going into the whole eugenics thing when they how they selected them i suppose it's it's kind of a bit messed up as well like giving a donor sample even if you're in a doctor in a hospital and someone asks you and you're like that you have, could potentially have a, a child then and you're like they want want to reach out to you someday so i'm like yeah there's not an, you're not anonymous donor then right because you have to be directly approached yeah yeah on it, or like yeah i think so they must probably were like we'll give you money if you want to just donate your sperm like and who knows um these students could be broke out uh, for and they and they need uh money so yeah they can yeah. just agree and it fits into the narrative of like you know young medical doctor being a successful person in a society right that kind of fits the yeah like the stereotype. Would, why wouldn't yeah. you want yeah a sperm donor if you're from them yeah um but yeah so sperm donation it's really even from the beginning it's been shrouded in secrecy uh the first recorded case of um sperm donation was in 1884 a doctor named william panacost or pancost found himself unable to cure a healthy sorry i'm gonna say this a doctor named william pancost found himself unable to cure a wealthy man in philadelphia who was struggling with infertility not to one to give up, Pancast tried something new. <laughs> this is really messed up. After sedating the man's wife with chloroform, he injected her with semen from his best-looking medical student. And this was the first, yeah, documented case of successful donor insemination. Pancast told the husband only afterward, and the man agreed never to tell his wife. And, oh, my God. And they said the end justified the means, and a healthy baby justified the lie. <laughs> so messed up. But it- um, that's a sexual harassment that's some sort of harassment on this assault. yeah assault um, yes uh but yeah so by the 1970s hundreds of doctors were performing donor inseminations across the u.s but secrecy still prevailed doctors advise parents not to tell their children who their father was that their father wasn't actually their father Uh, A 1977 survey found that more than half the doctors did not even keep records so as to leave no perpetrail connecting donor and child. Um, The secrecy sprang in part from uncertainty over who would be the legal father of a donor-conceived child and a question that hadn't been resolved yet in many states. But it also was a fear of psychological harm because the thought that it would mess the child up, they would feel rejected the sterile husband would be humiliated by people and then the woman might be condemned as being an adulteress that she's like yeah, yeah, yeah. she's willing to like 
they would kind of class that as cheating to get pregnant. So <clears> it's yeah, a bit odd. Oh, like it's messed up. Yeah, I'm very messed up. Um, and yeah, at the end of the day, insemination still requires an exchange of bodily fluids that can only be cured through st- sexual stimulation. So. Like this is really messed up that these this guy would be like masturbating in his office, and then having to the same doctor sit between your legs and injecting his sperm inside you. It's like really, really awful, uh, considering you didn't choose it. Uh, anyway, oh, so back to Klein, Doctor Donald Klein. So one of the daughters, she was one of the step siblings or daughters, as you call. Uh, her name was Jacoba Bullard and. Ballard, Jacob Ballard. She grew up suspecting that she, the only blonde, blue-eyed member of her family, brunettes, was adopted. So when she was ten, her parents told her that she they had used a donor, a sperm donor, to conceive her. And the mother was just like she really wanted a child, and she went to see Klein because he had a reputation as being the best in the business for uh, fertility treatment. Uh, and this doctor, so Klein was a, he was a devout Christian church elder, really respected member of the community as they always are. Yeah. Uh, and he told them that medical students were used as donor each no more than three times to limit any future pro- problems with consensuality. Uh, I think that's the wrong word. Consanguinity. Basically, he just wanted to limit that there'd be no unwitting siblings who would have kids with each other later on because this yeah. was like in a small enough area as well yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so the daughter she took a DNA test later on and then she found out she had seven half siblings and then from there they just kept coming and at the time of the broadcast on the Netflix show there are 94 children known to have been co- covertly fathered by Klein and the really messed Jesus. up thing is a high proportion have autoimmune disorders which they think is attributed to Klein, whose rheumatoid arthritis would be have disparaged him from qualifying as one of his own official donors. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of like he's passed on these uh, disease, con- disease d- genetic diseases, sort of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That he, he, if it was nowadays, he wouldn't be allowed to be a sperm donor. Um, I just wonder what was going through this man's head that mm. made it feel that it's okay to do it. That's the that's the that's the many long question. It's like, yeah. is he coming from a, a a point of helping these people, or is it something about him? I still think it's the latter. I think, I think it's something selfish. There's something like egotistical, maybe that you <coughs> you think I can do it, and in fact, you can get away with it as well. It's like he would just think, oh, I can. I'm helping. I'm actually helping these people, but I think deep down he's like, oh, I'm able to like use my sperm. Yeah. And I can, I can, but, but I it, know, is it is something pathological. It is something pathological. I think done so. It like almost hundred times. Yeah, yeah. But the, at at the same time, I'm like, yeah, it's it's a bit odd because like he helped these people. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. but like I've to me, what I'm from what you said so far, like this help is just like a side effect that happened out of his <laughs> selfishness that he wanted to satisfy some urges within yeah, him. Yeah, like, yeah. True. And just so happened that his actions led to the result that these women were kind of seeking for but not not in the way that he did it yeah, you know yeah. it, it was just, to. it was just happened to be a, a nice effect that they can that he can use as an excuse He's like i help these women they couldn't get he, pregnant without me so but it's like yeah. but you didn't really care about that you exactly. just wanted to 
use use your own sperm you i think you wanted to see as an experiment maybe to see how long maybe with some sort of expression of power i don't know you just keep going yeah it's good um yeah so and it's weird like many of these step siblings they live within a 25 mile radius of each other and like one of the siblings is noticed that when another name appears on a database as a close family that she's praying that she doesn't know them or that they haven't dated because like that's just the way it is <laughs> like it's a small like there's a huge a large number of them and it's yeah. a small area she said her children go to school with this children of another sibling and her husband unknowingly coached them all at softball so uh, and then Klein had already acted as a gynecologist to one of his daughters as well so like it's all really interconnected oh my god um, yeah, when some of the children tried to meet him, he admitted that he actually did use his sperm. So he's admitted it. But he said that the, the records are destroyed, so there's no way of showing how many of the kids are his. He, he It's just through these genealogy websites that they're finding out. Um, he, Then he kind of like, he's, but he's very cold about it. He kind of tries to say what they do and where they live. But, and he's like reading the Bible to them. And it's like, they were like, what, why are you trying to comfort us through the Bible? Don't use that as a way of uh, justifying your actions to try and think you're, to ca- try and comfort us. It's like, don't use that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, as we said, it's impossible to really know what was going on inside his mind. He's not really he got re- being very revealing. Like in the, the article I went, they went to his house to interview him, but his lawyers had advised not to talk and they didn't respond to any comments. Mm. Um, and I don't even know if he's in the documentary as uh, to talk. I think it's just really from the 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 stib- siblings because he's still in a court case uh, with but some he's of these. He's not practicing medicine. No, he's retired. No, or... so um, uh, yeah, it's and, I, and it's interesting as well. Before I get into the whole that yeah, part, sure. it's like some of his donor children told me their mothers did not think of clients' actions as sexual when they found out, and but some of them did. So it's like almost as well a split that. Some of them just like, oh, the end justified the means. But like some of them aren't, don't agree with that as well. Um, they ba- they think based on the birth dates of the youngest known donor child, uh, Klein stopped using his own sperm in the late I- 80s. That's when sperm banks became more common. And that was because they had to rely on frozen sperm because doctors had discovered that HIV could be tr- transmitted through fresh sperm. So they right. that's why they had to put in place these they couldn't just go willy-nilly around asking people for sperm samples <laughs> which thankfully that ended yeah um yeah when klein later got into legal trouble which he's still in his friends and family wrote letters to the judge about how difficult it must have been for him to disappoint patients when a donor couldn't be found like <laughs> just such like oh, stop. awful um a friend whose wife was a patient of klein's but did not have a child child through the donor insemination wrote Dr. Klein always put his patients first. Empathetic and full of compassion, he sought ways to help families through this most tender period when both husband and wife feel helpless. We can also empathize with the couple waiting expectantly because the time is right and can understand the devastation that would be awash them if there was no viable sperm donor at the critical moment. It's like, it's easy to say when you don't have any kids and your kids aren't affected by it. Um, Yeah, but like I think most of it's friends saw this as an uh, an exculpatory explanation 
but some are much angrier and they say like they saw it not selflessness but selfishness they saw a doctor who cared more about his professional success than his patient's well-being they saw a man too comfortable in his power if he did if he truly believed he was doing nothing wrong why deceive his patients like why not just come forward and tell them like i can't do anything would you be willing that i can use my sperm so yeah it's just a bit messed up in that regard um yeah, it, it, um, he hasn't been charged with rape. He has wasn't charged with battery with bodily waste, because in the it's in the state of Indiana, it's only considered a crime if it's done in a rude, uh, insolent or angry manner. Um, battery with bodily waste. He hasn't been charged with criminal deception. Any records were long gone. In fact, Klein wasn't charged for anything he did almost four decades ago. No law in Indiana or in most other states, actually, in America, specifically forbids a doctor from using his own sperm in his patients. Um, so but, what is he being prosecuted on? So he was ultimately fined $500 and was given a year pr- probation. He's lost his medical license, but he'd been retired since 2009. So he'd been practicing for pretty much a long time after that anyways. If he hadn't actually replied to the Attorney General's letters, which he had no obligation to do, he might have gotten off entirely. Um, yeah, several of the donor-conceived children and their mothers have also filed civil lawsuits against clients. So this is what he's involved in now. They're doing civil lawsuits. Um, and this is actually quite a, interesting. That's something might come of it because there was a case now, which I'll go into, that um, that they did get, they, there was a civil lawsuit and they won. Um, but before I leave um, Klein, it was just interesting that one of the people in the uh, district attorney's office who might be expected to follow up on the complaint was associated with the same religious group that he's involved in. It's this Christian fundamentalist movement, Quiverful, uh, mm-hmm. and it encourages the faithful, or at least the faithful of certain colouring, <laughs> <laughs> to have as many children as possible and groom them for power so they can become ambassadors for God. So, and then this is another aspect. Was he trying to like, I don't think he, he might... Well, he was reading that. Bible to them. Yeah, maybe he was <clears> like, oh, I'm going to have an army. But like, he didn't tell them. So it was not like he was like, okay, I need to find these children and, yeah. and let them get them like to spread the word of scripture and gospel um yeah it's it's um but yeah it's again like he 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 can't be charged legally he can't go to jail he didn't do anything wrong so it's just mad that um yeah he he got he's got away with it a lot of it anyways um so is this an example of something being ethically completely immoral but in the eyes of law completely well i think it's just like how it's just something you would never think about it, i suppose it was only in the 70s and 80s as it started and it's just it w- it would be something that you wouldn't like to design a, a law for it it just seems it, to come but across should, it like, very you rare should ha- but now we should like you should have something yeah in place definitely. now they i think um yeah i think now they should definitely i think it's from i think where did i see that uh in some i think in texas um it'll be henceforth known as sexual assault um if this happens again oh really texas texas is the shining light but it's only from here for out okay yeah and that's not going to happen because there's way more stricter things in in place so 
Yeah. So yeah, he he got he's got fined. He's had he received a one year suspended sentence. He had to surrender his medical license, but that was it. And um, and if he actually kept his mouth shut, he wouldn't have got any of this. So uh, it was only that he admitted it. And they still don't know. They still they think it's he's um, they found all the kids, but they're still not sure as well. It so could be more. It could be more. Um, but yeah, it was interesting because I said mentioned how they are bringing civil cases against him. So this is another case in Florida. She won has won 5.25 million in damages from a fertility doctor who fraudulently used his own sperm to impregnate her 45 years ago. Um, so she said that she sued her doctor after a home DNA test identified him as her daughter's biological father. Um, yeah, so she had like done a contract with the doctor because she her husband's vasectomy was irreversible. So he said he had located a donor who resembled her husband and was a medical student, and then she gave birth to the daughter. And the daughter, the daughter was then decided to do her ancestry. She got a genetic background, and of course, she came up to show that he was her biological father. And uh, yeah, he it was just. I think she yeah she's got five million she's got five five million in punitive damages so like huge payout if he this kind fella is going to end up like this where he could get sued as just as much he'd well, be hopefully. broke uh yeah yeah it's funny because as well that daughter actually was he was her gynecologist as well so it's really messed up that she was going to her and it was supposedly um he he she would go to him oh no this is another case sorry <laughs> another case is like this is another lawsuit this is in new york he's again he's accused of being a patient's he was accused a uh, patient's gynecologist for 10 years and then he heard again the daughter was identified that he was the biological father uh and like she he the doctor now is the daughter's gynecologist so super messed up and like supposedly during one consultation, he brought his wife in to look at her, and then another time he allegedly told her, "You're really a good kid, such a good kid." Oh my god, <laughs> that is so creepy. It's so weird, uh, and not to tell them either. I suppose because they knew something would happen. So that one's that's another lawsuit that's her happening again. There's not they're not going to face any cl- criminal trials. It's just maybe they'll lose money. But yeah, I'm just saying that Florida case is very groundbreaking because it opens up the pursuit that these people, these kids, um, are, are are eligible to get financial compensation from the individual. Um, so yeah, that one, the Florida one, then in, he that same doctor again, he he's facing a second lawsuit from a Colorado woman, again fraudulent inseminations. I just mentioned the New York one. And then there's another one in Texas. So like this is like five cases of this already. Uh, and yeah, the, is, the Texas one was like they avoided investigation by his state medical board and was able to continue practicing until his retirement, despite admitting to fathering several of his patients' children, at least 10 of whom were linked to him by tests. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she just said that, that one of the biological daughters she called herself the product of fertility fraud and she wants to ask the lawmakers to change it so that um, it, it would be a criminal under the medical board. And yeah, so I've already mentioned that from now on in Texas, it's going to be a, a um, class of sexual assault from here out. But like, I don't know how beneficial that's going to be. Um, 
and yeah you mentioned as well about uh in europe in the netherlands yeah cases outside america are more rare but because that could be possible again because home dna tests are rare i don't know how many people actually submit their uh their tests or dna for testing and to see actually investigate or oh, are there any step siblings or um not step sibling half siblings uh yeah so the netherlands there's been three doctors one of them john carabat a fertility specialist he fathered 56 children without telling their mothers uh jan uh will shut he fathered 17 children and yas beak another gynecologist fathered at least 21 and they think that could be even possibly more his former hospital said uh and the thing is like oh yeah these three men are already dead so the full facts were never realized and they never got to face any uh, uh consequences or yeah for what they had done um yeah was, and, do you know do you know if it's the same story like they didn't keep the record so everything is like milky and I think, you don't... maybe i think it must be something like that because with that last one just speak the hospital did an investigation yeah i think they obviously seen something was up but they don't know how many it is so uh, that suggests to me that they don't he hadn't kept a record and, and like i don't think they could keep a record because if it was they would be like well why are you you being the father why are you putting yourself down so it's just really, really crazy that um, the how many they got, how many have been done that way. Um, yeah, and so it's scary. It's so scary. It is like, scary. It's very yeah. tough for the kids. And like, I mean, and as well in that Klein case, like he's like <coughs> he's passed on his autoimmune disease to them. Yeah, like that's definitely like you're going to affect their lives for the rest. They affect them for the rest of their lives because they're going to have possibly debilitating autoimmune diseases so yeah it's like that, they didn't choose this they the mothers never consented yeah uh and you knowingly given them this so and they went they went against the hypocratic oath you know yeah to help protect which the is probably patients. the least of the the things that we should worry about like the first of to me it seemed like a rape yeah yeah definitely um but i suppose but just because it's done by the guy wearing a a, a, a lab, uh, not a lab coat, a, a doctor's coat. Yeah, a doctor's coat, and it's done in a sterile setting. It's mm. for some reason it's and not wasn't being forced, I suppose. Yeah. But like, it was being deceptive. Yeah, it's uh, disgusting, and I don't know. I don't know why would you want to do that in the first place. Yeah, and uh, puts mis puts this tr like females do not trust gynecologist because Male, of stuff like yeah. that you know yeah definitely. and like and of course the like the gynecologists exist because they do serve a certain purpose in the in the healthcare like they are female specific conditions that that have to be attended by someone yeah. and you know and they don't trust the serve the service anymore because of people like that you know that just yeah. do uns unspeakable things to them yeah i suppose like now i think it's definitely more sa safer like um, oh yeah compared to what it used to be i still um but it's the stigma that carries on yeah you know? yeah no that's that's true and it's just like uh, uh, anyone who any woman who got uh fertility treatment in, or an in, in artificial insemination in the 70s 80s you'd be like what well, did i get lied to do i tell my child do i not tell my child yeah uh do i tell them to get a test done like it, it's just like 
do they you open, look like, at your child the same way now that you found yeah. out that it's a possibility well like it's for the woman themselves it must feel <coughs> awful because well, like yeah. i now i feel dirty because like he completely violated me and like the contract we had and, our and there's no fault on their part at all no just to be no, clear no. yeah um but yeah it's like it's something that would the kid want to even know just like leave it as it is that's another reason why no one would want to find out um yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's it's just interesting uh yeah so i think like we'll see a lot of these doctors are going to bring it to their grave they're not going to admit it i think it's only through these genetic uh, home testing so we'll see if more comes out of it but yeah i just thought it was a mad mad thing to happen oh, uh, definitely yeah. it's just like <clears throat> the amount of kids it's like doesn't happen because you're like feeling bad it's like no you definitely wanted to impregnate yeah you, you knew what you were doing like yeah so that was it that was my uh my investigation into the world of uh if you want to call it um fertility fraud yeah um, and a, hor- a horrible thing to do very oh uh, yeah it's pretty awful i hope yeah it, it it's not really much you can say about it to be honest i'm just saying like there is more definitely trustworthy uh fertility clinics right now and there's definitely proper procedures it's just because this was so in new and there wasn't proper like uh protocols in place and people weren't looking at the tracking how these donors were got like you would just literally go around and get them like yeah it's like i'm actually the- curious would you ever like you know in the netherlands as well like they have a right i think when say 18 mm-hmm. if you were if so just say you give a genetic sperm right and they were it was chosen they have the kid has a right to know who your what your identity is so right. you're you're um it doesn't matter if you're consent or not they they have the right that right overcomes your your uh your right to like privacy so like would you ever like donate sperm no. knowing that no yeah no. it's crazy well i would never donate sperm in the first place <laughs> yeah i always see the movies i think it was like american pie where they donate sperm and it's like they make it seem so fun and goofy and it's like but yeah you're you could like it's a have huge a, decision yeah like i know it's money at the end of the day but no uh, i don't no i don't think i think there are better men out there to donate sperm <laughs> than me so i would not do it uh but i agree like the the child should have a right to to know who is the other part of the equation yeah even if it's not in the in the picture like you know mm. i think knowing is always better than not knowing yeah yeah it's interesting um yeah lots of cases in a lot of um in ireland because with the adoption a lot of ki- kids were put up for adoption and like the catholic church were the ones involved and they would never yeah. reveal the identity of the parents even if the and if the kid requests to meet the parents um the parent has to agree like it doesn't matter so it's kind of the opposite where you could be really desperate if the parent the one who gave it up for adoption doesn't want to meet then you can't do it and you can't force it um it's mad, <coughs> no, i like, think that the child should know you think it should know yeah yeah at least have a right to know you know like if it chooses not to then but the right should always be there hmm. because like <clears throat> like you, you it's who okay you let's say i would i would donate sperm and whatever things happen right like i have to, like the child should know where it comes from 
but like they have that there's not like they have no information they still have information about you that you have to give yeah but like it's, it's like you. about it's like about reading about brooklyn bridge versus walking through the brooklyn bridge <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah like let me let me look at that person and just see it mm. i think it's more emotional kind of justification rather than a logical justification let yeah, not to I meet them not letting them meet just <clears throat> we don't have to be friends i don't want you in my life <laughs> let's say i'm 20 now but i just want to look the man in the eye mm. do you know yeah yeah and see what they look like yeah do you have things in common yeah yeah it's interesting um yeah so that was it that's all i want to say about that and uh, i hope you enjoyed it i hope you what do you think again you can reach out on our social media as i've already mentioned uh, yeah, hopefully this precedent has stopped and yeah. it's never to return. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So yeah, that was today's episode. Um, I talked about being called bald as a form of sexual harassment. I think Tom then gave us a good overview of uh, the moon uh, using lunar soil to grow plants. And yes. The, the, the Martian, was it? Martian the, doorway? The Martian doorway, yeah. It actually is not most likely people aren't living out there it's most probably earthquakes yeah uh, and yeah i give it an overview of fertility fraud uh fertility doctors inseminating their patients so i thought it was an interesting episode i hope you enjoyed it uh yeah next episode we have another guest um his name is anthony cave he's a, a anesthesiologist so we're going to talk into the uh discuss the field of anesthesiology what it is, what it means, and other forms of treatment maybe that can be used in, for anesthesiology, kind of like what we mentioned uh, previously with ketamine, dissociation, I think it would be it. So I think it's going to be an interesting discussion. Hope you can join us for that. Yes. Uh, and if you definitely want to reach out with questions or anything, yeah, just get an email us, skeptically at gmail.com, and you can reach us on our social medias. So yeah, that was today. That was today's episode, episode 40. We've done it. Um Ooh. Sorry, anything else to add, Tom? No, I just want to say <clears throat> sorry for the coffin and and the sound of my voice. <laughs> I, I blame Super the aircon. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. At least one person. <laughs> um, no, nothing more to add. Happy we on number forty, and uh, let's just keep pushing forward. Yeah, we'll chat to you the next time, guys. Stay skeptical. Stay skeptical. Bye.